0: A Little Princess, Chapter 17. The next afternoon, three members of the large family sat in the Indian gentleman's library, doing their best to cheer him up. They had been allowed to come in to perform this office because he had specially invited them. He had been living in a state of suspense for some time, and today he was waiting to a certain event very anxiously. This event was the return of Mr. Carmichael from Moscow, His stay there had been prolonged from one week to another, to several other weeks. On his first arrival there, he had not been able to satisfactorily trace the family he had gotten in search of. When he felt at last sure that he had found them and had gone to their house, he had been told that they were absent on a journey. His efforts to reach them had been unavailing, so he had decided to remain in Moscow until their return. Mr. Carrisford sat in a reclining chair, and Janet sat on the floor beside him. He was very fond of Janet. Nora had found a footstool, and Donald was astride the tiger's head, which ornamented the rug made of the animal's skin. It must be owned that he was writing it rather violently. "'Don't cheer up so loud, Donald,' Janet said. "'When you come to cheer an ill person up, "'you don't cheer him up at the top of your voice. "'Perhaps cheering up is too loud, Mr. Carrisford," "'turning to the Indian gentleman.' But he only patted her shoulder no it is not he answered and it keeps me from thinking too much i'm going to be quiet donald shouted well we'll all be quiet as mice mice don't make that much noise janet said donald made a bridle out of his handkerchief and bounced up and down in the tiger's head a whole lot of mice might he said cheerfully a thousand mice might "'I don't believe 50,000 mice would,' Janet said severely, "'and we have to be as quiet as one mouse.' "'Mr. Carrisford laughed and patted her shoulder again. "'Papa won't be very long now,' she said. "'May we talk about the lost little girl?' "'I don't think I could talk much about anything else just now,' "'the Indian gentleman answered, "'knitting his forehead with a tired look. "'We like her so much,' said Nora. "'We call her the Unfairy Princess.' Why, the Indian gentleman inquired, because the fancies of the large family always made him forget things a little. It was Janet who answered. It is because, though she is not exactly a fairy, she will be so rich when she is found that she will be like a princess in a fairy tale. We called her the Fairy Princess at first, but it didn't quite suit. It is true, said Nora, that her papa gave all his money to a friend to put in a mine that had diamonds in it. And then the friend thought he had lost it all and ran away because he felt as if he was a robber. But he wasn't really, you know, put in Janet hastily. The Indian gentleman took hold of her hand quickly. No, he wasn't really, he said. I'm sorry for the friend, Janet said. I can't help it. He didn't mean to do it, and it would break his heart. I am sure it would break his heart, absolutely. You're an understanding little woman, Janet, the Indian gentleman said, and he held her hand close. Did you tell Mr. Carrisford, Donald shouted again, about the little girl who isn't a beggar. Did you tell him she has new nice clothes? Perhaps she's been found by somebody when she was lost. There's a cab, exclaimed Janet. It's stopping before the door. It is Papa. They all ran to the windows to look out. Yes, it's Papa, Donald proclaimed, but there is no little girl. All three of them incontinently fled from the room and tumbled into the hall. It was in this way they always welcomed their father. They were to be heard jumping up and down, clapping their hands and being caught up and kissed. Mr. Carrisford made an effort to rise and sank back again into his chair. It's no use, he said. What a wreck I am. Mr. Carmichael's voice approached the door. No children, he was saying. You may come in after I have talked to Mr. Carrisford. Go and play with Ram Dass. Then the door opened and he came in. He looked rosier than ever and brought an atmosphere of freshness and health within him but his eyes were disappointed and anxious as they met the invalids look of eager questioning even as they grasped at each other's hands what news mr Carsford asked the child the russian people adopted she's not the child we're looking for said mr carmichael in an answer she's much younger than captain Crewe's little girl Her name is Emily Carew. Would you look at that? She's much younger, as I said. I have seen and talked to her. The Russians were able to give me every detail and I would sit here to listen more of them, but I had to come back. How worried and miserable the Indian gentleman looked. His hand dropped from Mr. Carmichael's. Then the search has begun over again, he said. That is all, please sit down. Mr. Carmichael took a seat somehow he had gradually grown fond of this unhappy man he was himself so well and happy and so surrounded by cheerfulness and love that desolation and broken health seemed pitifully unbearable things if there had been the sound of just one gay little high-pitched voice in the house it would have been so much less forlorn and that man should be compelled to carry about in his breast the thought that he had seemed to wrong and desert a child was not a thing one could face. Come, come, he said in a cheery voice. We'll find her yet. We must not give up. We must begin at once. No time must be lost, Mr. Carrisford fretted. Have you any suggestion to make, any whatsoever? Mr. Carmichael felt rather restless, and he rose and began to pace the room with thoughtful, thorough, uncertain faces. Well, perhaps, he said. I don't know what it may be worth. The fact is, though, an idea occurred to me as I was thinking a thing over in the train on the journey from Dover. Well, what was it? If she is alive, she must be somewhere. Yes, she is somewhere indeed. We have searched the schools in Paris. Let us give up Paris and begin in London. That was my idea, to search through London. Well, there are schools enough in London, said Mr. Carrisford. Then he slightly started, roused by the recollection. By the way, there is one next door. Then we will begin there. We cannot begin nearer than next door. No, Karis said, there is a child there who interests me, but she's not a pupil. And she's a little dark, forlorn creature, as unlike poor crew as a child could be. Perhaps the magic was at work again at that very moment, the beautiful magic. It really seemed as it might be so. What was it that brought Ram Dass into the room, even as his master spoke, salamming respectfully, but with a scarcely concealed touch of excitement in his dark, flashing eyes? Sahib, he said, the child herself has come, the child the Sahib felt pity for. She brings back the monkey who had again run away to the attic under the roof. I have asked that she remain. It was my thought that it would please the Sahib to see and speak with her. Who is she? Inquired Mr. Carmichael. God knows, Mr. Carrisford answered. She is the child I spoke of, a little drudge at school. He waved his hand at Ramdes and addressed him. Yes, I should like to see her. Go and bring her in. Then he turned to Mr. Carmichael. While well, you have been away, he explained, I have been desperate. The days were so dark and long. Ramdes told me of this child's miseries, and together we invented a romantic plan to help her. I suppose it was a childish thing to do, but it gave me something to plan and think of. Without the help of an agile, soft-footed oriental-like rambas, however, it could not have been done. Then the little girl came into the room. She carried the monkey in her arms and he evidently did not intend to part from her, if it could be helped. He was clinging to her and chattering and the interesting excitement of finding herself in the Indian gentleman's room had brought a flush to the little girl's cheeks. Your monkey ran away again, she said in that pretty little, miscible voice. He came to my garret window last night, and I took him in because it was so cold outside. I would have brought him back if it had not been so late. I knew you were ill and might not like to be disturbed. Then the Indian gentleman's hollow eyes dwelt on her with curious interest. That was very thoughtful of you, he said. The little girl looked toward Ramdas, who stood near the door. Shall I give him to the Lascar?" she asked how do you know he is Lascar?" said the indian gentleman smiling a little oh i know Lascars," said the little girl handing over the reluctant little monkey i was born in india the indian gentleman sat up straight so suddenly and with such change of expression that she was lost for a moment and quite startled you were born in india he exclaimed were you come here and he held out his hand the little girl went to him and laid her hand in his as he seemed to want to take it. She stood still and her green gray eyes met his wonderingly. Something seemed to be a matter with him. You live next door, don't you? He demanded. Yes, I live at Miss Minchin's seminary, but you were not one of her pupils. A strange little smile hovered about the little girl's mouth. She hesitated a moment. "Well." I don't think I know exactly what I am anymore, she replied. Why not? At first I was a pupil and a parlor boarder, but now you were a pupil? What are you now? The queer little sad smile was on the little girl's lip again. I sleep in the attic next to the scullery maid, she said. I run errands for the cook, I do anything she tells me, and I teach the little ones their little lessons. "'Question her, Carmichael,' said Mr. Carrisford, sinking back as if he had just lost his strength. "'Question her. I cannot.'" The big, kind father of the large family knew how to question little girls. The little girl then realized how much practice he had had when he spoke to her in his nice, encouraging voice. "'What do you mean by at first, my child?' he inquired. "'When I was first taken there by my papa, "'where is your papa now?' He died, said the little girl, very quiet and solemnly. He lost all his money, and there was none left for me. There was no one to take care of me or pay for Miss Minchin's services. Carmichael, the Indian gentleman, cried out loudly. Carmichael, we must not frighten her. Mr. Carmichael said aside to him for a quick low voice, and he added aloud to the little girl. So you were sent up into the attic and made into a little drudge. That was about it, wasn't it? "'There was no one to talk to or take care of me,' said the little girl. "'There was just no money. I belong to nobody now.' "'Well, how did your father lose his money?' the Indian gentleman broke breathlessly. "'He did not lose the money himself,' the little girl answered, wondering still more each moment. "'He had a friend he was very fond of. He was very fond of him. "'It was his friend who took his money. He trusted his friend too much. "'The Indian gentleman's breath came more quickly.' The friend might have meant to do no harm he said it might have happened through mistakes the little girl did not know how unrelenting her quiet young voice sounded as she answered if she had known she would surely have tried to soften it for the indian gentleman's sake the suffering was just so bad for papa she said it really killed him what was your father's name the indian gentleman asked tell me i must know his name was Ralph Crewe, the little girl answered, feeling startled. Captain Crewe. He died in India. The haggard face contracted and Ramdas sprung to his master's side. Carmichael, the invalid gasped. It is the child, the child. For a moment the little girl thought he was going to die. Ramdas poured out drops from a bottle and held them to his lips. The little girl stood near, trembling a little. She looked in a bewildered way at Mr. Carmichael. "'What child am I?' she faltered. "'He was your father's friend,' Mr. Carmichael answered her. "'Don't be frightened. We have been looking for you for two years.' The little girl put her hand up to her forehead, and her mouth trembled. She spoke as if she were in a dream. "'To think I was at Miss Minchin's all the while,' she half whispered, "'just on the other side of the wall.'